The following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Happy New Year and welcome to 2017 with Adventures from the Shed. We got to talking about trying new things and making changes at the RPG gaming table, and we decided it might be a good sidebar to start the year. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to The Shed for a special sidebar of Adventures from The Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher Radio, Google Plus, being all over the place. Hey, it's going to be the new year when people hear this. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New, Happy new year. year. Happy New Year. And our first person introduction of the year goes to the fabulous. Hi, everyone. Fabulous. Mickey here. Happy New Year. Happy 2017. Hey, it's Kurt. Glad to be here. Another year at the shed. Another one. This is Chris. Greetings, shed heads. I'm Joe. And because we're still in the same configuration for Curse of Strahd. Exactly. So this is JJ. All right. And I would like to say one of the things, or, or the, the topic, essentially, the framework of this sidebar is talking about introducing new or change things within your RPG gaming table. And I'd like to take the opportunity to... to bring in the first new thing and officially say that Chris has joined us as a regular cast member, as our newest cast member of Adventures from the Shed. He has been on the last six episodes you've heard, but we'll make it official. Uh, can we golf and clap? And there's much right rejoicing. Up. Golf clap. Right up in the mic. There we go. A round of applause. So let's start with that. And part of this was Kurt's idea. Kurt, did you have any questions that you thought Chris should answer as a new player <laughs> to a, well, a new I've, group? Yeah. I've had a bunch of thoughts about... Uh, Newness in gaming, but one of them was just, you know, what it would be like for Chris or anyone to come into a table for an already established game group. Uh, it's, I think it's hard enough to start playing a new game generally or to join a new group that's starting, but to come into one where you don't necessarily know the people super well or where they've been playing for a year or two together. I was just curious what that's like and how, if at all, you kind of prepare for that. For me, it was pretty easy, I think, because I knew Joe for a little bit and I'm not new to gaming. So that was pretty easy to come in. It wasn't like, and I don't know, like the humor, I dig the humor already. So it was easy just to flow right into that. You That's kind of sad. It's a subset of the population. It's little, yeah, it's a little uh, <laughs> telling on my part, I guess, yeah. uh, what people might think. But for me, that was, yeah, that was pretty easy, you know. Uh, and especially because, you know, we're playing D&D when we come, you know, coming in, it's pretty easy just to flow right into it. But, uh, yeah, nothing weird, I guess, on that part, you know. And it's I, cool because he has... I think it's a little bit different with us, too, because we have recordings of our sessions. Right. So, like, as a prospective gamer looking to join this particular table, at least. We've already can... gotten to know you. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And he can put up with guys like me who show up totally prepared to play and then realize they have no dice. <laughs> Which is super sweet. He's still using that newbie tag. Oh, so, good. yeah, Chris has joined us. If our other listener happens to join us, they'll know what it's like, too, ahead of time. <laughs> Anders Gustafsson, if you're listening and traveling to South Carolina and the United States anytime soon, you just let us know. Come on. So, um, I don't want to shift gears necessarily, but part of what I was thinking with this is, so I'm trying to start a home game, yeah. which I have never run. I've never been a long-term GM on anything. I really want to GM for more than just a couple of sessions. So I'm going to start a home game, and it's really important to me to get a group that is fun, and I'd like to have just four players. So you know, I probably know 10 or 12 people who would be interested if I approached them, but I want to kind of self-select out first and say, well, ha- what, like, what am I looking for in yeah. new players that would make a fun group? That's a good point. Let me ask you that, because you're starting to put it together. 
what type or personality type, goal-oriented uh, people, what are you looking for in the players? You're looking to start a new game with new players. What type do you want at your table? Right. So for me personally, um, you know, we're not recording, so I'm not necessarily looking for people who are going to be ex- exciting to a larger audience. But what I mean, one, I want people who will show up regularly mm-hmm. because I think one of the challenges with adults is we all have other commitments and, and knowing my friends, some of them are just super flakes. Like Re- I have one reliability guy, is important. Yeah. I have one guy who I think would be really fun and I'm not going to invite him because he won't show up half the time and it would drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think one is reliable Two, um, I don't necessarily want people who know the game super well, but, uh, in part because I don't. So, you know, if I have three guys at the table who yeah. know every rule and every spell and already know what the resistances are that monsters have and how to beat them, then that's going to, I think, make it a lot less fun for me running the game. So, you know, I, what I'd like is people who have some experience with gaming or with D&D enough to know that they enjoy it and that they're not going to be super weird about pretending to be an elf or a troll or a knoll, mm-hmm. but not that they remember, you know, the range of fireball. So, you know, someone who played, you know, first or second yeah. edition or maybe three, five a long time ago, but you know, wasn't a rules lawyer is probably a good fit. Yeah. Or just someone who's fun and creative and doesn't mind trying something new. Cool. Yeah. Is it beneficial, though, to have someone at the table who is kind of all into there the rules? Is. I'm pointing at James. Because that way, it, when there's a question, you can have kind of like a, a de facto expert. I don't right. think it's important. I mean, if you're the DM, you kind of make it up as you go you control the universe you know right so i'll have i have different thoughts about that i think if if you're trying to play a hardcore D game you would want that i think i think what i want to do is really take people and like run them through the starter set at least to start i, w- I want to view the the D starter set fifth edition as the kind of probationary period for my group and say look we're going to put in 20 to 40 hours on this and if you are not enjoying yourself after two or three sessions, I am more than happy to kill you and bring someone else in. Or, <laughs> Bye, Felicia. You know, how about, uh, how about the characters? You're going to kill the characters too? Kill the characters. <laughs> yeah. uh, because I don't want anyone there out of a sense of obligation or who's right. not enjoying it. And the fact of the matter is at 40, 45 years old, which is you know, the age of me and my friends, you know, some people may think that something's going to be fun and then find that it's not. That's true. Um, yeah. But even like you know, Joe had suggested he might want to play a few times, and I was even hesitant to ask him just because you know he doesn't like me. No, no, it's not that. It's just you know, <laughs> he doesn't like him. <laughs> it's just a sense of I think Joe might have a sense for well, here's how the game should go, and I I kind of unlike unlike having the rules lawyer, not that you are a rules lawyer, I want the sense to be able to just wing it. And just make yeah. that rule up and not necessarily have anyone care. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the way you play Dungeon World. Like, yeah. sounds good. That would be fun. Let's, Let's see what do happens. It. Let's right. see what happens. And I do think 5e allows that if no one cares too much. Yeah. I mean, especially at lower levels, I would say. Yeah. Right. And I want to be very liberal with advantage, disadvantage, and with yeah. inspiration and some of those things that I think are pretty cool. So, so you're talking about a new game with um, an established uh, scenario, the, the starter set. Right. So you think, don't want to have everything new. You want to be able to have some comfort zone for yourself. Correct. One, I have a little bit of comfort with it. Yeah. Two, um, it gives us pre-gen character sheets, yeah. which I think for first adventure is not bad. Um, and I'm willing to let people modify the backstories and stuff a little bit if they really want to. Um, and then if people enjoy that, then we would go on to another 5e adventure, either homebrewed or loosely based on a published adventure. Or depending on how the group went, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to maybe a Dungeon World type game. But my goal would not be to play a bunch of different things. It would probably be to have a 5e game. Yeah. And we're talking about playing once a month, twice a month at most. So, um, you know. 
Cool. How did you go about finding the new players? You said you had 10 people or so that you would actually ask. What? How, how did you determine those would be the new people? To well, of the, ten, of the 10, there's probably a group that are social friends who would not be on the list other than that when I talk about it and they're drunk, they seem to get excited. <laughs> but I've actually been thinking about this over probably the That's last like, eight or nine months, and I've kind of felt people out and... Like I have a friend who is the husband of one of my wife's good friends who used to play a lot, but it's been 20 years. And he and I were out, you know, having a beer at a party the other day. And when I talked about it, you could just kind of see him light up. And I was like, you know, if I had a game and it was only once or twice a month, you know, yeah. would you actually want to play? And he was like, he's like, if it was only no more than twice a month, he's like, I would definitely want to play. And you could see he was really excited. And he wasn't it. drunk at the time. He was, <laughs> um, you know, another person is a guy I actually don't know that well. He's a client of mine happens to have an office nearby and i was talk. you know when i talk about dnd i'm always a little you know i'm like look i do this you know i little you know, he said what are you doing this weekend closet nerd out yeah, yeah. he's like what are you doing this weekend and so i have this way that i kind of describe it. i'm like well you know i do i've got this game group i play with it's really fun it's kind of weird but we have a great time and he's like oh what do you play and i'm like well you know we do different tabletop games but a lot of dnd <laughs> hide the stuff. penis and a lot and <laughs> hide the See penis how many stick between her fingers <laughs> And, you know, three out of four people, when you say, I'm, yeah. you know, I have a game group, I'm going to spend all day Saturday yeah. playing D&D with, they look at you kind of like, oh, that's a you know, very whatever. different. But yeah. one out of four is like, oh, man, that's awesome. And this guy's yeah. telling me about how he listens to Critical Role and he listens to Force or watches Force Gray, but he's never played the game. I was like, okay. wait, you watch D&D videos on YouTube, multiple <laughs> D&D videos on YouTube yeah. and you've never played? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'd love to. He's like, I don't know anyone to play with. He's like, I've just never been and involved. That, that's a huge, that's a huge issue. Yeah. Right. And yeah. so I'm like, done. So you know, he's got, and he's got a, three kids. One of whom is a new baby. I was like, dude, if you want two nights out a month, I was like, yeah. I already like you. Like, I'm gonna have a game. That's cool. Yeah. And he'll know nothing about it other than just what he's seen. So perfect. It's definitely more receptive yeah. to people. It's come, like gaming has come to the mainstream now. It, it definitely is. has, and even the role, the old school right. RPGs. Now, it's grown up. Now the yeah. problem I will say is I truly do prefer having women. <laughs> Yep. at the t- like in everything I do, but particularly at the table, and the dynamic on this one, just knowing the way it's going, if I want to keep it to four players, it'll probably end up being all guys, uh-huh. which bums me out because the- I could fill the fourth spot with a girl, but it would be a random thing, and I don't think it would. I don't think that would be necessarily a good dynamic, and not um, much of a chance of your wife joining in there. I don't think so. She doesn't really like doing things with you anyway. No, she doesn't like me at all. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> We'll see. I still have to think about that. But uh, now, let's put it that way. If you play, there won't be room for a, a, a lady. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you nice. – no, I'm not going to go there. Now, <laughs> Thank uh, you. I'm, I'm, I'm curious what happens if – like you, you, you stated you don't want exactly a rules lawyer. Um, but even as a new player, you pretty much dove wholesale into the books and started reading them. Right. And that was much my experience when I first started playing too. Like, like I'll freely admit I – owned a digital version of the 3.5 books long before I finally bought all of them. Right. Um, and I dove wholesale into it and like I was reading a book or two a night until like in between game sessions and trying to, and then it got to the point where like, you know, as soon as a DM would make a description, it's like, Oh, that's a zombie or, you know, whatever it was. So I was like, right. make sure you use slashing guys. Right. And, you know, so what happens if you get someone who's that excited about playing that they turn into the rules layer like I did? Hmm. What do you do? That's a good question. I guess one, um, I mean, I will I will probably urge people not to do that too much. Uh, and knowing them, they're probably not going to have time to do that. But um, if not, I think it's just that question we have about how, you know, how, much, how do you bring kind of metagame knowledge to the game? 
I'm just saying, look, like you've got to play it like your character would play it. If you were a level two dwarf who has never fought a vampire, never mm-hmm. seen a vampire, you don't know what his vulnerabilities are. You don't know how to attack it, so you need to play it that way. Um, and I think that's also something that happens with uh, new players is like they come up with this incredibly epic backstory, which doesn't work as a level one or two yes. character. We did that a couple of times. I've definitely here. done that myself. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's why the starter set is a good start because it's like, look, you don't even a couple, need a backstory. You don't need the backstory. Yeah. It's there with the rock seers or whatever their names are. Rock seeker. Seekers. You just missed a K. Yeah. You've got enough to get started. but uh, So we'll see. I'm excited to DM, though. I'm looking forward to it. But I think if you set the expectations early in the game, you say, hey, this is for fun. You guys can go you know, full sail into the rules, but at the end of the day, we're here to have a good time. I think right. it works out. Well, and to be honest, and people will totally disagree with me about this. Um, I disagree. I, I won't disagree. I will it's say it's more wrong. about the role-playing and the character and the fun. Wrong. And combat's there, but like I, I have no problem fudging combat yeah. Or hit point. You know, if it's dragging, I have no problem with the thing running away early oh, yeah. or saying it's got 20 less hit points than the book says it has if that keeps the game moving. Yep. Yes. So um, this would – my home game would definitely be a game where, you know, I think I, w- I would be trying to pace it such that everyone's having a good time and moving. And if the combat goes 20 minutes shorter than it would have otherwise gone, I don't care. So. Especially if you've got something to fill that in. Um, right. And that – to me, that kind of leads to something else that I had typed in as a bullet here. But essentially, um, say you're you're running things a certain way and it's flowing, but then it starts to get stale. How do you come up with a new type of encounter or something um, for the game? And this could happen. I would say in the starter set, if people just start wandering around Fandalin, um, they could start to get bored if they're not really talking to people and, and working things out. Um what do you think, JJ? How do you how do you change up the way that things things are going to try and bring excitement back into what could be a stale adventure? So I think that's actually one of the harder things to judge as a beginner DM is because you are so preoccupied with running this world and you're having a blast and it's hard to keep a pulse on the fingers of other players of whether or not they're having fun um, and. I don't think I really cared about my players until <laughs> maybe two or three, you know, campaigns in. Like, I don't think I really. There you go. Thank you. Couple, couple <laughs> of twenty dice or so. Yeah, going through that tower. Uh, yeah, I don't think I really cared about my players. Like, it was all about me. And if you had fun playing my game, then more power to you. But like, it was all about me initially. And I think as I grew as a DM, I started realizing that. My players need to have fun with me or else I'm just dictating to them. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I've been thinking about that too because another part of this new topic that we're thinking about is how you, know, how you introduce games to new, totally new players. And for me, that's kids. You know, I have an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old and they've been steeped in my geekness for a while. But you know, we're getting to the point now where they can actually play for real and uh, – you know, how do you introduce this game to new people, whether it's adults like the guy who may join my group or whether it's to your kids? Because that's what we have to do to keep the game vibrant and alive. Yep. You also have to be aware of attention span. How long is that going to last? Do you then have a you know, one-hour game session because it's with your kids rather than a four-hour game session? Right. I think, the, in my opinion, you have to introduce it 
from this fun aspect first. You can't go into rules. I think you have to start off with something that's relatable in an adventure. Like when we played with my niece and nephew, my nephew's a huge Potter fan. So we built a world of wizards where he was a wizard and we just tailored the the uh, character sheets to what fit the story so they could draw the parallels. Right. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier where, yeah, you kind of figure out what they're into and tailor it that way if you want a more, like, fantasy magical or more a horror-based or whatever, what, you know, the group might be into already so it's easier for them to right. flow into the play. Right. Well, and with my kids, um, I mean, we've done a, a little bit of... <clears throat> We did the Pathfinder beginner box and stuff. And they definitely have the intellectual capacity to play D&D 5th edition, but we're going to do more Dungeon World because I just want it to be about the story and about their imagination and just tell me what you want to do. And I think even for hardcore gamers, you know, the rules are there, I think, to facilitate the storytelling. I know some people disagree with that. You know, They're really focused on combat and how to mm-hmm. game, but they're essentially playing D&D as a tabletop war game yeah and for me i play it as a story game and so for me the rules are just there to help you tell a story about what the characters in the party are doing and dungeon world i think makes that even simpler and i think dungeon world can be very very hard to dm as a as an adult for adults you have to be very creative you have to be very quick i think dungeon world has a lot of flaws in that i don't think it gives you um, the the hit the dopamine hit that you get from leveling up you don't get as much power leveling up you don't have the XP and the gold and things that for some of us are give that sense of satisfaction from D and D but I think for kids especially on a short you know, session um, I think it's a great system yeah um, I don't know I I, I did. As you guys all know, Dungeon World's grown on me. <laughs> oh, no, I right. love Dungeon World. I love it. So I just wish like, it, I, it's pretty I, epic. I, I love Dungeon I've, World. Yeah, I just I'm, would I'm like a, it. I'm a convert. Before, yeah. before we mention For that, sure. I, I want to mention one more thing about the kids. Another piece of advice I would give, at least, is if you want your kids involved, try and let someone else run the game so that they don't have to see you as a person in charge. Right. Yeah. If possible, try, you know, try and get somebody else. A teenage typically, rebellion. Well, yeah, well typically, your kids are more respectful to someone they don't know than yourself. So it can help in running a game. Absolutely. But yeah, go ahead and talk about Dungeon World, please. It could be totally <laughs> like it could be like really epic cuz yeah. yeah, the the rules aren't you don't get the hits like you said that that dopamine hit when you level up and you get to add like new spells and new tricks and stuff. It's a really but good analogy it's too. It's really awesome when you get to describe a battle and you're like, yeah, I did a backflip off the wall, did a little parkour, flipped over Pulled my sword out and slashed yes. his head off. The you combat know, combat is more to me. It's more realistic because it's more open. Where D and D, if we did it realistically, uh, like a one minute fight would take an hour, and it's that's insane. That is right. not how a fight works. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah. Well, horrible. I like I like I really like combat in Dungeon World because it's not uh, initiative order based. Yeah. Like I just find that type of combat a little unrealistic. But so let's anyways. take that along the idea of the new game system. When we were introduced to Jun- Dungeon World, it was a new system, and you had to learn new things. What other what other times has anyone here switched from one system to a new system, and, and how did that feel? Uh, when we did it for the Alamond. Yeah. We, we switched from, during the session, yeah. Um, and that, I, I felt betrayed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That had to be weird going. Like, but we know, yeah, I mean, stay on the same the, campaign, but you're switching yeah. game systems. Yeah. At we the time, we went 5e to Dungeon World. Yeah. 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 At yeah. the time, I mean, you said it on the air, too, that he didn't want to, but did it for the sake of moving forward. Exactly. Right. So that, that's another important aspect. If you're going to make a change, you don't necessarily need a consensus, but at least majority and acceptance um, in order to make a change. And that is another key with when you put uh, 
group together for playing is you need people who recognize you're here for fun and that things are going, you have to be flexible and you have to, even if you disagree with what the party's doing, don't be a bitch about it. (laughs) Well, in this group, even though we have preferences, I think we've had fun trying totally new systems. Like I really enjoyed seeing the way the Star Wars box worked uh, and with those dice that were totally different from what we use. Um, You know, Adara was fairly similar to yeah, I, I just I just have I just have a recommendation for any um, game developers out there. Just get rid of the grenades. No grenades. <laughs> grenades sucked ass. And anything we've tried where you could just throw something and blow up, it was bad. <laughs> it's just the uh, off air shadow run box set that we started was horrible with grenades. Star Wars was horrible with grenades. Gosh. But yeah, that, I mean, as a good point, none of us had played Didara before. None of us had played Star Wars before. Um, none of us had played Tavern Tales. Tavern Tales. Tavern Tales. We played that one. Kurt still hasn't. But uh, we, um, when we tried the new things, what was it that worked Cthulhu. well and what isn't? Yeah, oh, yeah, Trail of Cthulhu. Yep. Now, none of them with Chris, of course. Right. Chris has played the same game both times he's been well, here. Like Cthulhu, the gumshoe system was totally different. And I'm reading, yeah. I'm reading the source book for Knights Black Agents now, which is a spy thriller game based on the gumshoe system by the same developers. And uh, it's a super interesting system. I don't know whether I would want to play it for years and years, but a um, very different way of thinking about the purpose and the tactics of gaming. After yep. finals week, I plan to dive more wholesale into the Dresden Files. Cool. I want to. I w- I would like for me to at least try mm-hmm. to run a game here with that. <laughs> Sounds good. I know. I was very excited about it until we looked at the magic stuff, and then it, we just felt we. I, were I'm 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 trying in over our heads. In in light of that, I am trying to figure out a way to simplify all that without having to basically sit here and handhold everybody during character creation. Oh, come on. Then what? how else would we do it? Well, that's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's that yeah. like, you must invest time right now, as is, in order to create a character in that campaign. So It, it is pretty darn involved. Yeah. So to our listeners out there, if anyone has any good ideas on how they've yeah. done this yeah. for Dresden Files, please um, drop us a note. Give us some new ideas. I, I wanted to kind of bring it back to the idea of new people coming in or a new group forming. Um, I, 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 I browse uh, D&D behind the screen and the D&D subreddit a lot. And... <sighs> One of the most popular posts is, my DM did this. How do I fix it? Or my player just <laughs> did this. How? And inevitably, the the advice is always pull them aside and talk, talk to them. Talk to Get them. feedback. Like Find out why your player is acting out. Because it may be because you're doing something to make them angry. Like you are railroading them, whatever it may be. Talk, you guys. I, I I would assume that everybody listening to this podcast is an adult and knows how to have a conversation with another adult. <laughs> I would assume that. Yeah, you're, I hope you're so. Most otherwise, all the four dicks jokes from the last episode are going to be probably <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah, <laughs> please be an adult. Uh, how many? No, I mean, how many? Daddy, what is? I mean, isn't that the answer to most problems in life? Yes. Things that are have hard, it, yeah. like communicate, talk, yeah. have difficult but, conversations. But taking that as advice when you start reasonable. is good too. I, I was mentioning off air before we started. I've just recently started up another game with five players at the table and. 
before we even started, not only were we chatting online, we had a little Facebook uh, message group happening, but I insisted that we get together, the six of us get together for a meet and greet. And we sat around for three hours just talking and getting to know each other to, to actually see if the people were compatible. And then the next session, we talked about the game system and how we were going to build characters. We were three sessions before we started an adventure just to make sure that we could talk to each other. And I think that's the, that's the basis of a healthy gaming group. That's good advice. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, don't just rush into it. This isn't uh, the podcast itself is another example where I, I actually went through the interviews ahead of time and talked to the people. Felt we had a compatible group, and I think it it ended up working out well. We ended up except for the guy who runs how, the thing. I mean, Joe was very particular. It it took what almost three or four months to get back to four players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it's yeah. And that's that's how you keep the group alive, though. Yeah, I didn't think we needed two bald guys, but you know, one with facial hair and one with yeah. But as long as we're sitting across from each other, (laughs) reflections. I was going to say I could grow my back there. I also recommend cuddling. Cuddling is very good, especially if you're a sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Bad. uh, another thing that came up, JJ mentioned before we started, the idea of a new character, or more appropriately for what he was saying, somebody wants to change their character. So I got sick of my, you know, insert character type here. I got sick of my rogue, and I've always wanted to play a ranger. How do I go about that? How, how do I make that change into something new in the middle of the game? Chris, what would you think? You've that's, run enough games, I think. That's a t- I've never had anyone actually do that. I've had, no. You've had characters die, but I've never had somebody like, I'm sick of my character, or I don't feel like I'm... My character's doing anything. Mm-hmm. I, they might have that in like a session, but not enough to like. Well, I need to change it up. That's a weird topic. I mean, I guess it'd be easy enough to write in if you want to have like an NPC that they could kind of take over or something, maybe. Or if they really had an idea for something, you could always. I don't know. It's always easy to write something in, but that's yeah. kind of. I've, I've never yeah had to deal with that. I don't know, I don't know how you'd really want to. I've had characters like think about it before, but they yeah. never. Nobody's ever gone through with it. I think it depends on how attached they are to the character. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a long-time character and they're just they're like, I've done what I want to do with this one. I'd like to try something else. I think in a perfect world, maybe that player gets with the DM. And, and I mean, I'm just thinking for me, I would want that character to kind of go out in a blaze of glory. So maybe <laughs> you DM... tried that with Truk every time. <laughs> well, you know, maybe you can plan something where. I mean, you actually kill the character, but it's a noble death, or he sacrifices himself for the party, or he does something that advances the mission or allows them to continue when they would not have otherwise been able to. Like taking the darkness into herself. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, other times, if it's just you know, relatively short term, and you're just like, I made a bad character choice here, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of ways you can handle that, right? The character could go off and do something else and to be brought back later if desired, mm-hmm. and you could you know, essentially roll up a new one who comes mm-hmm. in. Um, but so, I think it's impo- it's actually an important thing to consider on a long term campaign. So I I like that you guys actually answered from the opposite of the perspective that I was posing it as. How do you handle the player? How do you handle that situation? I like the idea that you both talked about how the story continues, but that person wants to change a character. What are you going back to talking to them? What do you talk to about? I mean, you want to make sure, well, like, my what, thought what, was you want to make sure that they're going to be happy with the new one they're picking. So try and figure out why they're dropping the old one. Yes. So if I'm yeah. dropping the rogue because all I can do is backstab, then I might not want the ranger because all I can do is shoot a bow, depending on the system, of course. Right, I'm, right. I'm oversimplifying. Right. But you, you try and help them work into something that they can enjoy. Find out why they didn't like it. Right, right. Well, like I, the character I'm playing right now in Strahd, 
you know, I would be totally fine if we decided Thielen had to go and I started playing someone new because I never, I've not created him as a distinct character to the extent that I have with some of my ones in the past. Like, so, and and I feel like now 30 episodes in is kind of hard to say, well, let's talk about my backstory. Let's talk about how (laughs) tormented I am. Let's talk about how I lost my love. And um, so it would almost be easier to be, you know, I can either just keep playing him recognizing He's, he's finding Paylor, though. I mean. Yeah, exactly. Or, but you know, it would be fine if we said, you know what, try a different class. Let's have Strahd kill him and bring in a, a druid or a bard or whatever. Um, but I think that's just a player by player thing. And, and and like you said, you need to understand why. Like in my case, it wouldn't be necessary that I want to try new mechanics. I actually like the sorcerer class. I think there's still a lot to learn there. I just don't feel like I've created. Enough, I haven't made him an interesting character. I don't really see that changing, so maybe I should try a different one. Um, so, go ahead. No, but it should always be the player's choice, right? Because it almost sounded yeah, like you were saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it should be the player's choice. I don't think that the rest of the group can impose their opinion or dis- decision on one player, because that's yeah. how you lose people. No, I agree right. with that. So, yeah. let's, let's talk about, actually, when Chris joined us... Uh, I I sent him a couple of personal emails and I I was asking essentially you know would you be willing for the sake of the story to be a were raven um, it would be the easiest way to facilitate a merging of the of the um, bringing him into the group and it certainly helped when he started just to interrupt for a moment that uh, he was introduced as a were raven from the uh, clan of order the, the order, order of the, the feather. feather and as soon as he said that Mickey's like that's an awesome freaking name. <laughs> So it helped right off the bat. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's like, so for Chris, like, were you okay with me dictating that you were a raven and... Oh, yeah, that's totally cool with me because, you know, I'm fine with, like, having something that I have to try to fit into or, you know, because I might not have thought of that, you know, and that's cool because it fits with the storyline, too. So I never would have, like, oh, I'm going to play a raven. I never would have came up with that, probably, you know. Okay. But you asked. Um, I asked. And I, again, that's the whole feedback to, and talking thing. You have to thing. have communication. You need communication. Um, now, for me, the only time, and I can say I've, the only time it's ever happened where players got sick of their characters has always been in evil campaigns. <laughs> like, characters would be just like, Funny. dude, my, dude my, my guy, I, I can't stand being him anymore. He's <laughs> 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 a real prick. <laughs> so, like, every time we've ever swapped classes like that it's always been in evil campaigns i very rarely in a normal heroic type setting um have i ever seen like yeah. i can't stand playing this guy anymore for me it's it's been the uh desire to try something different not not so much being sick of a character but being sick of a mechanic like you put it kurt that the mechanic is just i'm doing the same thing every time it comes to my turn i'm doing exactly the same thing and i really can't change it because this character sheet i have doesn't allow me to do anything different and i want to try something different so how do we do that I'm and not so it, there sure. used to be the whole multi-classing thing, which you can still do in D&D, right. but then if you are overwhelmed by the mechanics already, now you've got twice as much, not well, exactly, but enough to keep. I going. love that in, in the Alamon campaign yeah. where I started Truk as a monk, and then he started to get the druid characteristics. Yeah. And so I essentially got to play a monk and a druid in one character who yeah. I did like and who I felt very attached to. A druid and a monk, and or a drunk. A little yeah. drunk. Uh, he was a monk with a little druid in it. <laughs> he yeah. was. But it's, uh, that was also it made sense in, in terms of the story, and to some yeah. degree you built the story to allow that to happen. Yeah. 
I'm not so sure we'll ever have that situation where one of us gets tired of a character simply because we're fairly ADHD with our campaigns. I'm sick of freaking Calvin. Gosh, Are you really? I never shut up about his, what is it? Paylor. Oh, that, yeah. Change his name to Paylor and start talking about Calvin. Ooh. Ooh, there you go. Maybe he gets bopped on the head. Yeah, yeah, schizophrenic, man. Yeah, and he'll start talking like a potted plant from Boston Southie. <laughs> potted plant. Okay. So now, so... What else? So that's well, how you build a group. Yeah. Uh, one of the other things I was thinking of, and this may be more for myself and Chris and JJ, but the idea of introducing in your own campaigns a new NPC group, like a new evil villain and their minions. Uh, something either to spice it up or to actually change a dynamic within the world. You're making a change or maybe a big change to a storyline. Um, how do you go about that? For me, I don't know. I don't like just to have like one bad guy. And you know this maybe yeah, more I've, like how I work it, things. Yeah. I like to have this giant web of things going on where other bad guys will interfere with other bad guys' plans. So depending on the timeline where the heroes meet certain things, that maybe that got taken care of because the bad guys took care of it. Or they've changed it th- this way, so now it's over here instead of over there. So I don't know. You kind of keep you try to keep it like a real world. Like things, you know, some bad guys might help you out for a little bit because that's along their plans, and then they'll screw you over later. Yeah. Or even good guys. They're helping you out, but man, I got to do something bad for something good to happen. So they kind of get in the way of the party a little bit. And like, but man, they're still the good guys, though. They're still good guys, but they kind of they make a mess of things so just t- to keep it interesting. I totally agree with that. I mean, if you think about Star Wars, I guess at the top you've got Emperor Palpatine, right? But yeah. you've got Darth Vader as a bad guy. You've got Boba Fett as maybe yeah, yeah, a bad guy. Hunters. You've got Lando Carissian as easier. The, yeah. the Huts, right? Huts. Yeah. So you've thing, got like yeah. a whole web. Crime organizations, yeah. Yep. And that lets you get side quests or secondary quests, right. all of which can tie back. Yeah. And to you maybe. might have to you might have to make those alliances. Man, I got to make those alliances with this piece of crap dude. You know, it's. Right. I mean, it happens in the real world. Like the CIA is the, I got to have these assets. These are horrible people, but I need to use them to go do something. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think with, uh, with Alamon, we actually handled that pretty well. Um, so say the group is getting bored with their characters, or whatever, and you want to spice things up, you throw, you make them the evil people, you make them the bad guys. And as a player, you want to succeed at whatever you're doing, right? So like if you t- change tax, like, so you're still in the same story world and you're, you've been playing the good guys and now all of a sudden a DM says, Hey, okay, we're going to, we're going to do a little evil mini game and you guys are going to be trying to thwarting yourselves, <laughs> And yeah. that's, I think that could definitely, it would one, allow them to play a whole new class. Yeah. Um, two, I mean, I think it would bring fresh perspective. Allow them to braid human skin. Exactly. Braid yeah. human yeah. skin and, you know, That was one of the pooped. things I remember from that. <laughs> yeah. pooped out of demons. Pooped out. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think that that idea um, would work very well in a campaign. And I, I'm very glad I just thought of it and I've never done it before. So I think yeah. that'd be interesting to have like you guys be you know, Strahd's minions or something, and now you're going to go try to kill yourselves. We could go kill were-ravens. Exactly. Stop punching yourself. Stop punching yourself. Something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, I think yeah. that would be a good way to basically breathe new life into a group that might be flagging a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. That was a great idea. One more thing about bringing new people in or new games um, that I didn't say earlier, but I think um, particularly for people who haven't played much or if they haven't played in a long time, if they're anything like me, they're going to be very insecure about stepping into a, a new group or a new game. So I think one important thing is to Based essentially boost their confidence, mm-hmm. you know, however, and say, 
look, don't worry about all these rules. Don't worry about all these books. Here's what you need to do. You're going to be great as long as you're having fun. You know, we'll, we'll get you where you need to go. Don't worry about it and really make them feel comfortable in that way. And give so them a think- setting they're familiar with. It was mentioned like the Harry Potter thing. Um, if somebody is familiar with the movies, I'm always referencing the Lord of the Rings movies. If someone's familiar with those, you tell them things like act as if you were Frodo in this situation or Gandalf or whatever it may be. And that can give them a place to work from without needing to know what the rule is to cast the light spell. But we forget that a lot of players don't know what initiative is or what a perception check is. I mean, that stuff becomes standard quickly when you play. But if you're just coming into a table and you think, oh, I'm the guy that doesn't know this stuff. And everyone else must know it. I mean, it's bad enough it's their first time playing. And yeah, it doesn't matter what game system it is. Because Dungeon World is pretty easy. I yeah. grasp the mechanics, you know. Right. But even like my wife and you know our friend were, you know, like, yeah. oh, yeah. What I don't I know what do? I can do. do. I'm like, just right. do whatever you want to do. You know, right. we'll say well, yeah. yay or nay it. You know? Joe described that perfectly to us, which is just think of you, that you're in a movie and describe the scene yep. you want to see. That's, that's exactly yep. what I do. So, yep. Yeah. Well, Mickey, you've been a new player a few times in a few games. What uh, what helped make you comfortable at the table? The rest of the people at the table. Because you you need to hear that that reassurance that you can make mistakes and it's okay. Yeah. No one's going to ridicule you too much. We talked I was going to say mistakes. too badly. Yeah, we do it behind your back. Yeah. Behind my back. Yeah, I, I thought so. Well, only the mistakes, though. Only the mistakes, <laughs> which is like everything. And I think as a player, if you're going to <laughs> if you're early. going to play this type of game, you need to not take yourself too seriously. Oh, that's definitely true. Yes, because to, to go on the, the fun, it's this is a game. We're going to have some fun. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, you, can, you, know. you cannot take yourself too seriously because then you're not going to enjoy it and you're going to bum everybody else out and you're going right. to get kicked out of the game. No one wants to be a wet blanket. Well, and I don't uh, think you can enjoy these games if you do take yourself too seriously because you have to imagine that you're a freaking dwarf bard or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Or a sheep. Or a sheep. Or a sheep. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that brings up another thing for me too. Try not to think of the fantasy world as the real world because there is a certain amount of immersion that you want to get into there and you have to have some things that are believable. But there are too many people, I think, that will flat out say, no, that can't happen because oil floats in water. That's the only problem you have with this, the yeah. dragons, the yeah. elves, all that stuff's okay, yeah. but you won't let, okay, all right. Yeah. It, it, right. There's, there's that, you have to draw that line where you, there are some things that you want to be consistent, physics is decent, and chemistry, that kind of thing. However, this is a fantasy world. Things can and do change, yep. and you've got to be able to accept that, and I think that goes along with, don't take it all too seriously, allow the unbelievable to happen because it's happening all the time. Yep. Let it let it happen. Let it go. Let it go. I mean, one other thing about uh, new games, you know, would be the difference between homebrewing and using published or pre-published adventures. I wanted to get to that. So good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for some people, homebrewing is easier because they have a world in mind that they want to play and they've imagined it, and it's easier for them to narrate that game than to try to follow along and and keep track of and remember the details in a complicated published adventure. In others, it's much more reassuring to have a book in front of you with encounters and knowing the right number of creatures to put in and enemies to put in each one. And I think that is a personal choice. Um, For me, it's probably in the middle, having a published adventure that lays out the rough outline of an adventure and the types of encounters that we want to have, but then letting me make up a lot of the stuff around it. And So like some of the campaign books where it it tells you what's going on in the area, not so much the adventure module. Like one of the ideas I've actually had – 
if after the starter set, if we keep going with 5e, I love the Pathfinder world of Galarian. Uh-huh. I like it much more than the Forgotten Realms. Um, and I'd love to do a 5e adventure in Galarian. No reason you can't. There's no reason yeah. you can't, right? I mean, if, they, nope. if people haven't played Pathfinder, they don't know. Yeah. Like, they for my 3-5 campaign, I used anything from any world. Right. So yeah. I'd have groups that, like, well, they don't exist in Corvair. They don't exist in Greyhawk. Well, I'm going to use them. Right. Yeah, right. I, 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 I would only use the Greyhawk <laughs> Dark map. Sun. <laughs> no, I would only use the Greyhawk map, but I would use different you know, factions and whatever. Like, Just, for me, right. Eberron is by far my favorite setting. Cool. I, I absolutely love the Eberron setting. Right. Cool. That's where like Warforged was. The Warforged. Yeah, one, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. But um, I think whatever it is that as if you're leading the game that makes you feel comfortable and prepared and, and prepared with the least amount of work. And for some people yeah. that would be homebrewing. For some people that would be published adventures, and some yeah. it'll be a combo. Well, there's a certain amount of comfort in knowing that you can turn to page thirty to know who's at the end. Right. Compared to. You got to make it up, write it down. Hope you remember later. Yeah, right. There's a uh, there definitely is a big comfort difference right. between those two things. The other thing is you you can homebrew a rough arc, but then take single pieces or modules. You know, back when I was a kid and we played D anD D, the modules were much much smaller gotcha. than what Wizards of the Coast is doing now with two hundred page adventures that take a year to play. Um, and, but there's a lot of that smaller stuff available like on the DMs Guild or online that you can get for free or for a couple of bucks. So you can go on and find little adventures you like and essentially piece them together to yep. make your own yep. campaign yep. very inexpensive, very flexible, very fun without necessarily feeling like you're tied to 200 pages of a set campaign. Right. Or you can always ask your players, like, what do you guys want to do or what do you want to, you know, they could, I want to research this or I need to go do this. All right, that's an idea for a module like, next week, you know. Exactly, exactly. What do you think about that idea, Mickey? Uh, as a player, do you want to contribute to the world that much, or do you just want to write your story from your character's perspective while you're playing? I prefer to write my story from the character's perspective. I mean, my, my character will influence the world by how awesome she is. You exactly. Know, the rest but you is don't, just there. It, you, you would rather have the DM or whomever have the world there for you, and then you interact with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm lazy that way, I guess. I, I would prefer that yeah. because... Um, Right, so it's like coloring within the lines, right? The DM sets the world, and it's my job to tr- figure out how to break it. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, li- I like the idea of, um, again, if you have a DM who's flexible, have I don't know whether it's a room with a portal to essentially different, very different worlds, mm-hmm. and then your players can pick. You know, for a while, we're going to be in an Eberron-type world or a Dark Sun-type world or in, sure, yeah, you know, whatever. And then you still have it in your in your home world, your core world, wherever it is that you're comfortable. But you have the option to go out and say, you know what, we're going to go to this crazy place, or we're going to go off and do this crazy thing, which may be gothic horror or something for a little bit. But then we can we still get back to our core, um, and that gives you you have control of the world generally. But your mm-hmm. players can kind of pick, like you know, for the next month, I'd like to kind of go this way, or yeah, yeah. that would be really cool neat. idea, yeah. yeah. So, like a central point with multiple doors where yeah. they go in and out. Yeah, I mean, imagine if you went into a room with a wizard and there are four portals, and he tells you what's through each portal, and you get to pick. That'd be cool. And you're like, you know, there's, I mean, maybe there's an artifact you need from each right. one. You don't, you know, or whatever. Uh, or the adventure is to find something that lets you get back within a right. designated yeah. time period. Otherwise, you're yes. stuck there forever. Forever. And as the DM, you would pick things that you were willing to run and play, but that would also give you the players enough variety that they could choose. I want to be in a Western world for a while, or I want to be in a Shadowrun world for a while. Or, or a Fey world. Fey world, yeah. Whatever, whatever works. 
<laughs> I keep saying someday I want to do a Wild West game. Maybe maybe we can. That would be cool. Yeah. You know, women. We sort of kind of did with the Yadara. It kind of one of the things I've always felt with Wild West though is I haven't found any system that to me encapsulates all of the Wild West stuff. If you get shot once, you're down. Nobody gets shot more than once in a Western. Right. A good guy or a bad guy. You get shot once, you're down. Whether you're dead or not, that's different. But you're right. down, you're ineffective after you get shot once. It is only very rarely that someone gets grazed, and it's always on, I think, their left shoulder. Right. right? <laughs> Unless you're wearing that, uh, that plate from the stove, remember? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that could happen, too. But, um, yeah, I want that kind of lethality. But still have a playable game, which kind of makes it to tough. Do though, because yeah. once your characters die, then what happens? Yeah, like each That's person would have to have multiple characters ready. Could be. Well, see, that just requires a shift in your thinking. So, like, your hit points aren't the amount of damage you can take until you die. They're more the the amount of stamina you have to keep going. So yeah. once you're reduced to zero hit points, you're just bone tired, yeah, the, incapacitated. The the yeah. you know the the cuts and the bruises have just amounted to you needing to rest now right right interesting what other new stuff what other what other things we want to capture i mean it's a new year happy new year still because it's only like 45 minutes after we said it last time me being new coming to the group is are there any games you guys have played a lot of games are there any games you guys haven't played like man i wouldn't mind trying that out you know, the whole world old, like, absolutely. Like, for example you mentioned yeah. uh western like boot hill and now maybe yeah. you can't find that but that's crazy but which is something like man i wouldn't mind trying yeah trying out that type of game yeah. or that specific game i I, so. I like i said i honestly cannot wait until we do an urban fantasy yeah. sort of game I, I think i would like to have one like that too where we're playing in a mostly modern world if not the actual world we're in with fantasy thrown in yeah. I, I want that to happen as well um, it's a- along the Dresden Files or Iron Druid type of idea, and um, I definitely want to do that. I think also um, space, space, except for Star Wars, we haven't done much in space, and I'd like to try that. We've got a couple of options, both trying Star Wars again and um, Star Trek. Uh, the Star Trek, uh, which we are, uh, I think, officially signed up for the alpha test, and hopefully we'll be playing that. And you may hear this, uh, may hear it on the uh, podcast sometime within a few weeks of this recording, possibly. Depends on how it works out. Um, and then we've also got, uh, along the gumshoe line, I have the Ashen Stars, which is another of the gumshoe games, but it is set in space. So there, are, that's one thing I think I'd like to explore more. Although my, my home base is the medieval fantasy type stuff. Medieval fa- yeah, Renaissance yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. You know what would I'm, be interesting? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Doctor Who, a Doctor Who based adventures, because that would bring steampunk, time travel, space, and modern. modern. I was going to say yeah, steampunk. All into one. Yeah, it feels yeah. a lot of. Steampunk would be Categories. fun. I'd love to play a cyberpunk. I'd love yeah. to play Shadowrun without learning Shadowrun. Without the rules. It's just two yeah. rules heavy. Well, for there's me. a dungeon but I world. Play in that world. There's a dungeon world hack for that. You play yeah. in the Shadowrun world with dungeon world rules. I would also huh. love to play like a Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, you know, oh, yeah. way before. Where you have Shut it, meatbag! But uh, <laughs> but I don't want to play in the Luke Skywalker era, gotcha. yeah. uh, which is really space. Yeah, uh, and to me, Jedi and Sith. But, well, it's, but like, it's like it's like sci-fi space fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's like space it's opera. Exactly. Right. I've always had Star Wars. Like the the magic element of the Force and things like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. People using lightsabers. You get the um, telekinesis and yeah. light and lightsabers and blaster fire. And, yeah. Well, I've always argued it. I mean, it's not my original idea, but Star Wars is much more fantasy than sci-fi. Uh, no, I'm right so, with it. I mean, sci-fi yeah, is really about technology. Yeah. 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 
And, that's and all the technology Star in Star about. Wars is kind of inconspicuous because they didn't have very good technology when they made the movies. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah. um, sure. There's just flashing lights right. and beeping and R2-D2 plugging into stuff. Kurt's really got a P, I think. No, no, I was just going to say, I okay. love playing new games, <laughs> at least trying them. So, I mean, basically yeah. anything anyone wants to play, if, you know, for, if only for three or four hours, I'm always going to be game for trying. I'm doing that with board games now. I've gotten really into board games in the last six months. I'm just loving trying like, any new game. I'll play it. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of I am. Although I'd rather have the mechanics are easier. I, you want to take time to like put all this time into like this game where like Ooh, this is going to be complex and kind of messy, and we're going to like trip over ourselves on it. You know, but, that's happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got to I, talk felt, about. I felt like although the recordings came out really well, there was no way I was getting Idara. I, the the system it just was never clicking for me. Although we were able to play it and it was a lot of fun, the system was just overwhelming for my brain to handle for uh, pretty much a one shot for us. Right. Uh, but it was a blast, and that that I think is uh, part of Chris's point there. If the system is overwhelming, it makes it hard to actually create something yeah. and it work with it and mm-hmm. actually have fun with it. Right. I think that's what the like the even though the system for Dresden Files is fairly complex, I think the urban fantasy aspect of it will help keep everyone gra- kind yeah, of grounded. That's a cool piece. It is good. All right. Shall we wrap it up? I think we can. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your listening. I enjoy these sidebars. It's just a chance to chat amongst ourselves yeah. and talk talk, talk about directly to our listeners and this is yeah. the type of episode you'll actually listen to i do it's, <laughs> yes yeah. i will i always listen to the sidebars yeah so. how about you mickey do you listen to any of them i listen to you guys every time i'm here what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> she prefers the live version i prefer the live not version. the memorex but as long as we're reaching out to fans i want to hear from more women like most of the the people who've written into to the podcasts are guys we, we had one, um, one there was one who, and she had started her own campaign exactly she was going she, to dm yeah. i want to hear i want an yeah. update I'll, I'll reach out to her and see yeah. see if there's any update on her campaign because my other chicks out there stuff. yeah i know there's more of us speak up yeah definitely adventures from the shed at gmail.com of course find us on facebook as well yes awesome everyone have a great beginning to 2017 thanks for listening Forget New Year's resolutions. They suck. Anything else? Are we going to do vagina for 2017? (laughs) I try to do vagina more than just 2017. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Equal opportunity. Vagina! Bye. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com.